When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We all have a higher self and we can access our higher self once we start unlearning the false beliefs from our culture and our trauma that taught us we're not enough. So get cozy and join us as I answer listeners' questions and we all unlearn from each other's problems. Welcome to EXO Higher Self. Hello, my loves. How are you feeling? How has your week been? I'm hoping you had some time to connect with your higher self. Maybe since last week's episode, you got inspired to journal to your higher self. We spent a lot of time talking about that. So if so, I would love to hear about it. How has your experience been so far with journaling to your higher self or maybe if you tried it and it was a struggle what did that feel like we would love it if you sent a dm to our instagram at exo higher self and let us know how it's going with your rituals or whatever kind of higher self channeling that you do If you wanted to share some of that experience, we would absolutely want to hear about it. Maybe we'll talk about it here or share something on the Instagram. If you had any tips or guidance, we would just really, really love to hear it. I had a really interesting experience this morning. I was driving on my way to the gym and I saw this dog walking all by itself down the block and I kind of watched it for a while and it was going down a couple blocks all by itself with no owner and I thought oh what should I do and I pulled over I approached the dog and it was really friendly and it was wearing a fleece jacket But the fleece jacket was like soaking wet because it had been drizzling out. So it seemed like the dog had been outside for a while. And it was also, it had no tags, but it was wearing a collar that was a coach collar was the brand. So clearly this dog was somebody's pet and... I didn't know what to do, (laughs) so I called my friend who is a vet, and I was like, what do I do? And they were like, well, you can bring the dog to the vet to see if it has a microchip. And if anybody's listening here being like, duh, we like that's what you do. I'm sorry. Well, I, I, I don't know. I've never been in this situation before. And so, but when I was on the phone with my friend who was the vet, the dog walked away and went in between two houses and then I lost it and I drove around for a while looking for it and I didn't see it and I'm hoping that it made its way back home and that's why I didn't see it again but for some reason I got back in the car and when I couldn't find it I got really sad and I just started crying 
in the car and I wasn't exactly sure what it was I was crying about. Maybe it was the vulnerability of the dog or maybe it was this feeling of me not knowing how to help it or being unsure of myself on how to help the dog or maybe it made me feel like think about other dogs that don't have homes or just the reality of something innocent being on its own looking for food or I to be honest I don't exactly know what it was that made me start crying but it just triggered this opening in me and I just started crying and I was just letting it come out and I was thinking about how most of the time when we get upset or when we start crying or feel emotional we always try to find the thing that's wrong that's that is why we're crying like there must be something wrong for us to be crying it's really interesting to me that we say that in order to cry there must be something wrong because crying is such a human thing to do i mean it's just part of being human we have to let our emotions out and i think sometimes nothing really has to be wrong for us to cry and i think we feel a lot of times we need to hold it in to hold it together to not show emotion because we've been conditioned to believe that it is a weakness that vulnerability is a weakness or that being sad is a weakness or or even just feeling things deeply because honestly I don't think I was crying because I was sad I think sometimes I cry when I just feel things really deeply or I am getting some kind of energetic feedback from something or maybe I'm receiving something that I don't exactly know where it's coming from and I think a lot of people listening could probably relate because sometimes I share memes about it about how I'll go into a space and feel the energy of the space and sometimes it, it's a bit overwhelming or sometimes I'm not really sure if the emotion I'm feeling is my emotion or if I'm picking up on an emotion of somebody else. Um, and the thing is, our culture has trained us so much to be so, um, I guess, quote unquote, rational, or to try to reason things out, to think logically. And we've really lost a sense of trust in terms of our intuitive feelings. Um, our ability to sense things that cannot necessarily, we can't necessarily see or sense with our regular senses, but something we just kind of know, or how to listen to our heart rather than just listening to what our brains are telling us, if that makes sense. And as I get older and do more of this connecting to my higher self and feeling more empowered and trusting myself more. I've been paying more attention to these moments and not trying to like fix it or find a problem or logically explain it away or just be like, oh, I was hormonal or something like that, even though hormones could still be something very intuitive. And I don't know, I just, I guess I'm, I'm learning as I get older to trust what I'm feeling way more and to not disregard it as, oh, 
something I'm just being like too emotional or too sensitive, but to actually pay attention to it and be like, is there, is this something, am I, am I in picking up on something that's actually meaningful in a different kind of way? Like, I don't know, like the thing that happened this morning with the dog, who knows, I'm not really exactly sure what that was about, but it made me start to think about how we're always sort of gaslighting ourselves when it comes to our feelings uh, or our or intuition or not knowing how to trust something that our body is telling us. I was at a dinner actually the other night and it was so awesome. It was a, a group of people and it was sort of a storytelling thing where we went around the group and the theme was share a story that if you told it to anybody, they'd probably think you were crazy. That was the theme of the story, uh, the story night. So different people in the circle went around and told stories from their life of something that they experienced that, you know, that, you know, a typical um, mainstream thought might say, oh, that's crazy, even though I hate the word crazy, by the way, but those kinds of stories. So stories about encounters with like spirits or premonitions or, you know, unexplained things that they saw or deep insights or ancestral visitings or past life regressions and stuff like that. And we went around and told these stories and it was just... The more I heard from other people, the more I realized how important it is for me to be in community with people who acknowledge these things and these feelings and these intuitions and these insights and these like experiences that we have that we often can guess. And you might say, well, Bunny, I don't really understand how crying about the dog is really the same thing as having some kind of premonition or psychic experience, but I can't. That's what I'm saying. I can't really explain it to you. I had this encounter with this being and there was something about that encounter that 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 latched to me and that I felt really intensely and like had to release afterwards. I have no idea exactly and language maybe can't explain it. I just thought I would share it because I think it's it's great to say, hey, like we can talk about these experiences and these feelings and our sensitivities and our intuitions and our premonitions. And I have a lot of other stories that are a little bit more clearly exemplified by this, but this happened this morning, but I've had, I've had experiences with other worldly things. Um, but maybe that's, we'll, we'll save those stories for a different episode. But all that is to say, just trust yourself, trust what you, the messages that you're receiving. There is wisdom that we have within us that we've only begun to tap into. And I think that part of connecting to our higher self, as we unlearn and let go of these layers of conditioning, we're going to get more and more in touch with that magic. And it's exciting and I like it and I like talking about it. And this is a safe space for that. And if you think about how so much of our magic has been suppressed for generations and generations because it was such a threat to hierarchical system, 
that as we reclaim that and as we unlearn this belief structure, we are freeing ourselves up to receiving that inner wisdom and having that communicate to us more powerfully. And I think that that's really, really cool. I like it. So yeah, cheers to our magic. All right. I think it's time to go ahead and get started and let's hear the first question. Subject toxic positivity. I just think it would be a good topic to discuss. How to navigate toxic positivity, encourage more vulnerability, especially with those folks who are not used to acknowledging hard things. Toxic positivity and the erasure of systematic violence. So many options to talk about. Hey, babe, I also think this is a great topic to discuss. And I like how you worded it as just like a topic we should discuss, not not a particular personal question. And anybody can do that too. If there's a certain topic you want to discuss, but you're not necessarily have a personal take on it, um, I'm all for it. And I'm really glad that you brought it up. I actually go really into this topic in my book, Hello, Higher Self. I talk about it, how toxic positivity shows up in your personal experience and also when it comes to collective issues like politics and racism and transphobia and homophobia. So let's start first with what the definition of toxic positivity is. Toxic positivity is an umbrella term for negating difficult emotions or being in denial of harm under the guise of wanting to keep things quote unquote positive. There are many ways that toxic positivity shows up. When people talk about it now, I think it's often talked about as a tactic to avoid taking accountability for harm and injustice in the world at large. For example, many people complain that there are folks who refuse to take accountability for their societal privilege by not recognizing how they have benefited from inequality or white supremacy and they just want things to be good vibes only kind of stuff. Ironically, Those so-called good vibes are actually perpetuating suffering, i.e. perpetuating the not good vibes, because without acknowledging systematic injustice, nothing changes. It's a form of maintaining the status quo and thus not having to give up the privileges that a racist, sexist, homophobic, transphobic culture offer you. Another way toxic positivity can show up on a more personal, intimate level is when you're trying to share something difficult that you're going through or your hurt feelings. And the person you are wanting to be seen and acknowledged by tells you you're just being too negative or you should just get over it that can make you feel as if your lived experience isn't important enough to be acknowledged or that it's not really happening. Now, 
It's important to distinguish the difference between toxic positivity and wanting to see a situation from a positive perspective. Toxic positivity isn't actually positive because there's nothing positive about the denial of suffering. In order for there to be positive change, whether that is collective systematic change or even change in how you process your painful experiences, it is essential that those experiences are validated first without the acknowledgement that your feelings are valid and real to you. You cannot have the healing, i.e. the shift in perspective to find a loving solution and get that higher self perspective. Have you ever been having a difficult conversation with someone like your partner or a family member or close friend when they did something that hurt your feelings and rather than acknowledge your feelings, they immediately went into defensive mode and started talking about how the problem is your feelings, not what they did. Of course, you've been in that situation. I mean, we all have. And probably we have all been on the other side of it as well, unable to acknowledge the other person's experience of being hurt and rather focusing on why they are wrong to feel hurt. Toxic positivity is a way to deflect responsibility. What I think is often left out of the conversation when it comes to toxic positivity is that it can be a coping strategy that people develop from trauma. For example, I grew up in a home with a lot of financial insecurity. My parents struggled to pay bills. Money was a source of stress a lot of the time. But my parents handled it in two completely different ways. My mom was not shy about expressing her anxiety and anger and would vocalize her worries. My dad, on the other hand, always took the position that everything was fine, even great, There was that there was nothing to be worried about. He often made promises he wasn't able to keep, like we're going to be able to go on a vacation or buy this car next year, things like that. And in my teens, the toxic positivity took the form of not taking seriously the issues I was having with my mental health. Maybe some of you can relate to having parental figures that were basically like, depression isn't real or the past is in the past. And it took me a while to realize that in order for my dad to cope with the very real difficulties in his own upbringing, where he grew up in poverty and violence and no one from his family had graduated high school before, and he went to school that was segregated in his early years, and and he was told by his high school counselor that he could never make it in college because he was Mexican, that he should just join the army, etc. His way of getting himself out of that situation and out of his trauma was to take on an attitude of leave the past in the past, stay positive, move forward, don't focus on the negative things, don't talk about it. So I think it is common for people to downplay suffering as a coping strategy to not have to think of their own. 
And I think a lot of that is unconscious. And that's often not something that people talk about toxic positivity in that in that form or being manifested that way. But I think it, that there's a lot of wounds behind another person's inability to acknowledge suffering in another person because they didn't have space for it. And if you think about it in terms of personal relationships, like think about it, if you've ever had a relationship with somebody who grew up in a home where they weren't allowed to advocate for their needs, for example, or talk about their emotions. And so then they meet you and you're like really emotional person and, or you're talking about your sensitivities or this hurt my feelings. And they're like, you know, really trying to downplay it or really not acknowledging it or not validating it because that's what they learned to do or that's what they had to do in order to cope. And so they think that's what everybody should be doing. And I think that this really plays out on a personal level and on a collective level. It takes emotional courage to validate another person's experience. Validating does not mean that there isn't another way of looking at it. It doesn't mean that you completely wallow with somebody and you never try to help them see it in another light, but you have to understand it's, it's, and it's also the same thing we do in this podcast. Like if somebody is telling me something that they're going through, imagine if I was just like, oh, well, you shouldn't be feeling that way. Actually, you should be, you should be doing it from this perspective and you shouldn't be feeling that way. It's like, that's not what our higher selves, what isn't the higher self perspective at all. Our higher selves have compassion for everything that we're going through. Our higher selves fully accept the stage that we're at in our journey and also acknowledge the lovelessness that we have been through. And love comes so often in the form of literally just validating somebody's experience, just listening to what they are going through. Because until somebody can really feel seen in what they're going through, it's very difficult for them to see themselves out of it other than just, you know, brushing it under the rug or being in denial of it. And that's not healthy. So yes, toxic positivity, it has a lot of forms and sometimes it's hard to distinguish the difference. But remember that our higher selves are the part of us that hold us in love through the ups and downs of our suffering. Connecting to our higher selves isn't denying our suffering. It's harnessing the inner compassion to give ourselves grace through it. It also gives us the vision to see where compassion is lacking, both in our personal lives and in our collective experience. Our higher selves don't deny suffering. They deny the validity of thinking something is wrong with us because we're suffering. So yes, thank you so much for writing in that topic. It's a really, really important one. So appreciate you. Take care. EXO Higher Self fam, it's Bunny here. I am so thrilled to announce my debut book, 
Hello Higher Self, an outsider's guide to loving yourself in a tough world is now available for pre-order. This book is the essential manual for unlearning your limiting beliefs that have been ingrained in you by the toxicity of our culture and your trauma and your socialization. We all have to unlearn this stuff so we can channel the power of our higher self. And everyone who pre-orders this book will receive a special free gift from me to be announced shortly. So hurry to the pre-order link in the show notes and get yourself a copy. I cannot wait for you to read it. So our next question is a voice memo sent in by a listener. So let's listen to that right now. Hi, Bunny. First of all, I just want to say thank you so much for everything that you've done. This podcast has saved my life in so many ways, and I know all the listeners can relate to that. And I'm so excited for your book that's coming out. Um, I want to ask you a question about how to hire self your way through the falling out of a relationship with a parent, specifically my dad. Um, you know, growing up, my dad and I were very close in a lot of ways. He was my emotional safety blanket, my security blanket, and he wasn't the best dad growing up. Um, I saw him like every other weekend. So growing up, we were distant, but we got a lot closer when I was a teenager. Now I'm 20 years old. Um, but growing up, my dad wasn't the best person as in he is a pathological liar and he is a narcissist as well um I never really knew what he did as a living and that was really hard because he was just never honest with me um and I kind of knew he wasn't this like I kind of knew that he wasn't an honest person but I kind of accepted it um but you know growing up like now that I'm in my 20s and my late 20s he has done things that I just can't accept anymore. And I had to cut him off about three years ago. So I haven't spoken to him in three years. Um, He all of a sudden just like moved away to a different country and just kind of became distant completely, literally. And he, when he moved, he would be like, oh, I'm coming back, you know, in a month and I'm just here for work. And then he kept saying, I'm coming back next month and next month. And then He just, I just accepted that he never would come back and he would borrow money from me and just never return it. And that's kind of how he made his money was just by borrowing money from people and not returning it. And honestly, he's also a con artist. So I just made the decision that I had to cut him off. And I, um, it's been really hard because now I feel like I've kind of accepted it, but I still have days where I'm just so sad about it. And I know that there's a lot of people that can relate to the falling out um, of a relationship with a parent and society doesn't really talk about that. We always talk about, you know, relationships with like, you know, romantic relationships or friendships and, um, but it's really hard to navigate the relationship with a parent that you've had to cut off and how to accept that because now I kind of have accepted that I don't have a dad anymore, basically. And it's just really hard, especially when I see like during the holidays, it's really triggering. Um, It's really triggering to see people with dads and 
I'm 28 years old, so I know I'm an adult. And sometimes I'm so hard on myself and I'm like, I'm an adult. Like I should be okay without a dad. But I just would love to hear your advice on how to navigate that, you know, cutting off my dad and dealing with that loss. Um, Because it's a huge loss in my heart. It's a hole in my heart that can never be filled, you know? And um, I would love to hear your higher self perspective of how to hire self my way through that. And I know that there's going to be a lot of listeners that can relate to this. So um would love to hear your feedback. Thank you. Hi, love. I'm so sorry that this has been so difficult. Not only is the trauma of having to witness his harmful behavior so wounding, but also the grief of losing the connection you have to your dad and having to sit with that loss. First, I want to say that it is incredibly courageous of you to put that boundary and cut off contact with your dad because you came to the realization it was too harmful and painful of a relationship. I can only imagine the inner processing and the difficult emotions you had to move through to accept that that was what you needed to do to take care of yourself. Like going from a place of, of hope to the slow realization, actually, you know what, I can't do this anymore. And I, I'm sure that that was really, really, really painful. But that is a testament to how connected you are to your higher self and realizing that you need to take care of yourself and also realizing that sometimes loving someone is not enabling them to continue to hurt you. And you are absolutely right that what we often hear about in terms of the end of relationships is the end of romantic partnership and people who have lost their relationship to their caregivers often don't have any guidance or support on how to process that grief. As far as a higher self perspective, I just want you to know that I think you already have a very beautiful higher self perspective on this. But if there was something I wanted to add, I just remind you that your dad's narcissism is not the complete story of who he is. It is most likely an unconscious coping mechanism for some deep wounding or trauma that he's unable to address. That's not an excuse at all for his harmful behavior, because I do believe we all have a responsibility to be accountable for our healing However, the part of you that loves your dad and the part of your dad that loves you comes from both of your higher selves. And even though he has done things that are really hurtful and his inability to get healing makes him an unsafe place for you in your life, there will always be a love between the two of you that is so sacred and it's okay for you to honor that and recognize that often when the subject of forgiveness comes up it can be really misunderstood a lot of people think that forgiving someone means you are saying 
what you did to me was okay, or I still want to have a relationship with you, or I'm literally telling you I forgive you. But from the higher self perspective, forgiveness is the acknowledgement of your oneness. In other words, to forgive is to affirm another person's higher self. Well, what does that mean? It means seeing that their behavior is a product of wounding and their inability to connect to their higher self, which means they were blinded of seeing your higher self, which enabled them to treat you as if you were unworthy of love because they're not really fully cognizant that they're worthy of love. And forgiveness is the vision to see that And it is the healing because you're acknowledging where love was lacking is where love should be. In other words, people behave and hurt people because they don't realize their own wholeness. And when you see the wholeness in that person, you are moving beyond their perspective the effect of their choices to your healed vision or the vision of your higher self. And, and that frees you from being uh, controlled by their reality. And in that way, that is the forgiveness and that frees you. Um, And it also frees them only if they're willing to join you in that vision, but that is not um, in your control. Compassion could be another word for forgiveness, but I, I like I like thinking of forgiveness as, as as the compassion as being like the medium of it, but forgiveness being like the healed the healed uh, reality of your way of seeing it, of, of a higher self way of seeing it. So I guess what I'm saying here is there's two versions of your dad. There is the narcissism and then there is his higher self. And you can love his higher self and hate his narcissism. You can send your dad telepathic love and tell his narcissism to fuck off. And on the days you feel triggered and really sad, it's okay to focus on the love and acknowledge you do have a dad. On a spiritual level, you will always be connected through the love that is beyond the illusions of grandiosity. Connecting to that awareness of love can help move through the dark feelings to the light of wholeness. You are a radiating being who has been part of the healing of your lineage. And you are continuing to learn from the mistakes of your dad You use his example as a reminder to stay accountable and to embrace your higher self. It's okay to miss him. It's okay to grieve. It's okay to feel sad. It's okay to feel the loss. Your higher self is always holding you in love and acceptance as you move through those feelings, but you are safe. And when you connect to your higher self, you are connecting to that spiritual bond that you and your dad will always have eternally. And that can never be lost. 
the love that you have for each other is on a level that is not diminished by the wounds and and the illusions of that limited perspective on his own value. So, yeah, I, I, I guess what I'm saying is just to try to remember that, um, that the love is still very much there and will always be there on a, a very deep level. Okay, babe, I'm sending you so much love. Take care. You know, I do believe that everyone has a higher self, but not everyone is at a place in their journey that they can recognize that truth within themselves. I don't see connecting to your higher self as becoming a better person, but more remembering who you already are, recognizing yourself. I remember after I got out of a five-year abusive relationship, I went through a lot of shame because after I got out, because I kept thinking to myself, how could I have loved someone that hurt me like that? What's wrong with me that I would put myself through that? And while it was so important for me to acknowledge toxic and abusive behavior that a very unhealed part of me felt like I deserved because of my own wounds, because of my own history, I also needed to validate the love that I had for that person. And the part of them that I loved was not their abuse, but something much deeper. I loved their higher self because there were moments when I got glimpses of it And that was what I fell in love with. And actually letting myself honor my ability to see their higher self helped me move past the shame of staying for so long and helped me be able to trust myself again because our ability to see each other's higher self doesn't enable abusive behavior, it actually helps to not enable it because you're seeing that this person is not being themselves and is not behaving in a way that is reflective of their wholeness and or reflective of yours. So there is this real sense for us to And I think it happens a lot when we have been in abusive situations or we have a relationship with somebody or we did have in a relationship with somebody where that person really mistreated us. And we get into this place where it's like we're going back and forth between the anger and the hurt and the shame and having a hard time forgiving ourselves for putting ourselves in that situation and It's really important to acknowledge that any part of us, any voice in our head that is not embracing our wholeness and accepting ourselves and being compassionate for ourselves for where we were at that time in our life is the same part of us that got ourselves into that situation. Meaning when we 
are in a relationship with somebody or when we are enabling somebody to hurt us or when we don't leave a situation that is harmful to us, it's because we're not connected to our higher self. It's because we can't hear that voice inside of us or we've cut off that voice inside of us that's like red flag, red flag, no, 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 like this isn't good. Because for various reasons, we have this narrative that we're not really worthy of something better or we shut out that voice. And eventually when we find it again and it helps us get out of that situation where we're like, no, actually I do deserve better. We have to be really mindful of not letting that voice, that LHB voice that I'm not lovable or deserving seep into a different form. I'm telling you, and we're going to be talking about this a lot on this podcast, that LHBs are so sneaky. They will be in one form and then they will use another reason, a completely different reason to shame us for something else, to shame us for having loved somebody, to shame us for having wanted to be loved by somebody. And we can't do that to ourselves. We cannot. We have got to harness the power of our higher self and give ourselves grace, give ourselves understanding and compassion for the fact that we are having to learn all of this stuff on our own and do this healing stuff and this awareness stuff in many ways that's counter to the way that our culture and our world actually operates. So anytime that we get down on ourselves for, you know, things that we knew better, know better now, or the fact that we miss somebody maybe that hurt us or still feeling, um, still grieving something that a relationship, even though we knew that relationship was harmful, things like that, you know, or like feeling tempted to look that person up or getting those feelings and stuff and, and, and shaming ourselves for still having that sense of love. We shouldn't, you know, our ability to love somebody, it's not that we're loving the harmful behavior. It's that we're loving something deeper and actually our ability to see love is what's going to keep us safe because we're not going to fall into the illusion of being in denial of lovelessness. So it is kind of tricky because I think it takes practice to really be able to harness that vision of your higher self to not put ourselves in a loveless situation by staying focused on love. But there's some nuance here, but I guess what I'm trying to say is that the voice of shame or the voice of guilt or the voice of putting ourselves down for our ability or our capacity to love is not a sustainable form of protection. What is going to keep us in love, loving relationships is to embrace our wholeness and to embrace self-compassion and using that as a guide to, to be able to distinguish, is this a relationship where I can feel connected to my higher self or is this a relationship that's actually hindering my ability to feel whole and enough oh yeah there's a lot of 
layers to our healing process. And sometimes we need to just be harnessing in that anger stage where we need to be like, you know what, fuck that person, because that's actually going to empower us not to call them or text them or let ourselves be manipulated by them. And then maybe later on in our healing journey, we let go of some of that anger and we start being able to have Uh, another more expansive understanding in terms of their own wounds and why they were so harmful to us. Not because we're making excuses, but because we're, we're going into even a more expansive vision and, and through those insights of compassion. So there's stages of this. And what I'm saying is that our higher selves are completely embracing us through the stages of our healing, not judging us, just really, really, really honing in on that our higher selves is the love that surrounds us through our healing journey that we were always embraced in. That is our true power. We have always been enough, no matter what. We have always been whole and there's nothing that can diminish that. Even on the days where we are really not able to have that perspective, it doesn't change the fact that that is true. That is our truth. Which brings me to this week's higher self mantra. And I really hope that you have been using the mantras the past few weeks, uh, past couple weeks. Um, I have, and I really like, I really like mantras. So, or affirmations, whatever word you want to use. Um, this week's higher self mantra is my capacity to love is my greatest strength. I'll say it again. My capacity to love is my greatest strength. All right, use that affirmation. Say it to yourself in the morning or whenever you're feeling like a little bit anxious or fearful or you need to reconnect with your higher self. Remember, your capacity to love is your greatest strength and that means to see love in the situation, to be guided by love, to love yourself, to trust in love. Your capacity to love is your greatest strength. My capacity to love is my greatest strength. All right. I love you so much. And so does your higher self. I will see you next week. Don't forget to rate and review and become an Apple subscriber or a Patreon subscriber. We really, really are going to require your support in order to keep this podcast sustainable. Tell your friends, share the episode, share this episode with somebody you think could really, really benefit from it, or it's like totally their vibe. Um, yeah, so do that. All right. Take care and I will talk to you soon. Bye. If you have a question that you would like to be featured on the podcast, you can write us an email or record a voice memo and send it to xohigherself at gmail.com. For bonus content, including early access to weekly episodes, ad-free episodes, and bonus episodes, be sure to sign up on our Patreon as a subscriber at patreon.com slash xohigherself. 
Or if you listen to this podcast in the Apple Podcast app, you can easily sign up as an Apple subscriber on our show page and get access to that same bonus content. Thanks, y'all. This podcast is recorded in Kingston, New York, and produced by Kara Gilvey and me, Bunny Michael. Original music and sound mixing by Michael Bihari.